Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network. So whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at tmobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Parks and Recollection, where we go to Pawnee and see everybody and do our thing and examine them like aliens who abduct people one episode at a time. Is that what we do? I think it is. <laughs> it's close enough. We get the gist. It's close man. enough. That's a paraphrase. It's a paraphrase. Doesn't have to be word perfect. No. <laughs> this is a good episode, though. We have. A, I mean, they're all good, but this is this is one people talk this about. This is a classic. It's season two classic. Do you think this is the first classic? Mm, that's I a good question. I, 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 I'm biased. So this is episode eight of season two. I'd have to look at the rundown, but I think there's there's classics, and then there's what uh what we would sometimes say in the minor in, in the writers' room, uh, maybe damning with faint praise, minor classics, <laughs> My, <laughs> minor <laughs> classics. This one's a straight up classic. This one's a straight up. This classic. straight up classic. So. This is this is definitely this is Ron and Tammy. That's that's what we're doing today. Um, and for sure, I think this would be on every Parks and Rec fans. It's got to be in their top 10, for sure. So much to talk about, right? Because it, it's 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 yeah. sort of a you know a, an iconic character, but this is one of those episodes where you step outside what you know about that character. And of course, we're talking about Ron Swanson. Should we get into uh, the details of this episode? Remind the folks what happens. I will. So this is episode this eight of season two. It first aired November 5th, 2009. So almost exactly 12 years ago. Written by the man, the legend, Mike Scully. Used oh, to yes. be the showrunner of The Simpsons and directed by Troy Miller. Um, fantastic episode. Shall we do the synopsis, Rob? Yeah, I will let you take it away because nobody brings it home quite like you do. All right, here we go. A lot to get through in this one because it's such a legendary episode. The episode opens with Andy taking over disgruntled old Gus's shoeshine business in the city hall. It's the cold open. Later, Mark breaks the bad news to Leslie that the Pawnee Library has placed a planning claim for Lot 48. Leslie and the rest of the Parks Department express their disdain for the library, much to the confusion of Anne, while Ron is particularly angry to learn that his ex-wife Tammy, who he insists is evil incarnate, is the new library director. Leslie decides to look evil in the eye and confront Tammy directly about the library's planning claim, but to her surprise, Leslie finds Tammy to be warm and friendly. Tammy instantly agrees to rescind her planning claim on Lot 48 as a professional courtesy between government gals, her and Leslie. 
Leslie, now convinced that Tammy is not as bad as Ron claims, brings Tammy to the Parks Department so that she and Ron can work out their differences. Tammy and an agitated Ron go to a local diner to have lunch. Legendary scene. The two sit down amicably, but soon erupt into a loud argument over who set the bed on fire, which jump cuts to them sitting back to back in separate booths eating, then cuts to the two making out between the two booths, then on the table, which Ron pulls out from the wall, then running out to their car and driving to a local motel, where they strip off their clothes (laughs) and they run into the hotel room. Meanwhile, Mark enlists Tom's help in dealing with Andy, who's working hard to try to win back Anne. Taking Tom's advice to take the high road, Mark confronts Andy at the shoeshine stand, only to find Andy has covered the wall above his stand with pictures of Anne. Finding ads posted with Andy and Anne's shoeshine, Anne tells Andy to back off and take down the Anne shrine he's erected. Later, a cheery Ron waltzes into the parks department providing way too many details about his sexual exploits with Tammy. An uncomfortable Leslie listens and realizes that Tammy is using sex to manipulate Ron into giving the library control of Lot 48. Leslie confronts Tammy, who smirks and tells Leslie that she'd rather be a Cleopatra than an Eleanor Roosevelt. Really seminal talking head describing Leslie's character. Leslie tries to get Ron to break up with Tammy, but he insists he's powerless to her wiles and convinces Leslie to go with him to do the deed. The two go to the library, and Ron immediately caves when Tammy flirts with him. Leslie gives up, telling Ron he should do whatever will make him happy. Impressed that a woman put his needs before her own, Ron decides to break up with Tammy and give the lot back to Leslie. After breaking the news to Tammy off camera, Ron flees the library with half his mustache missing and a pushpin stuck in his forehead. The two share a drink back at the parks department and agree that Tammy and the library really are the two worst things in the world. And that's the story of Ron and Tammy. So this is the first time we see Ron kind of go batshit crazy. <laughs> like, like this is all escalated in later seasons. But I, I think it was fun to kind of see... Um, you know, Nick Offerman and his real life wife, Megan Mullally, um, uh, uh, together in, in this episode. Was there ever any thought that, 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 uh, Ron Swanson's ex-wife would not be Nick Offerman's actual wife or was it designed for Megan? I think it was designed for Megan. Greg, correct me if I'm wrong, but, but yeah, it, it, it I think that, so, 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 uh, Nick and Megan love acting together. They're always in stuff together. They they're they're one of the most loving couples I've ever seen and they're both fucking phenomenal comedic actors and so they often come as a package deal. So I think Nick has appeared on on Megan's stuff and Megan has appeared in in Nick's stuff and they're in movies together and um but yeah, I think very early on I, I you know again like I said, this is one of those episodes where you take an iconic character like Ron Swanson and you know everything you think you know about him, right? You, you have all these, you know, these facts you know about him. And then every so often, an episode like this enhances the character because it shows him step outside who he usually is. And so, yeah, I mean, it's so interesting. I think one of the reasons Nick got cast in the show is because he had these smaller parts in, 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 previous, uh, in previous things that Megan had acted in. And, and Mike had remembered those parts, you know? They are amazing together. And, you know, Megan, of course, brings her 75 Emmy wins for Will and Grace. I think she won 70... It is 75 Emmys she won. Yeah, that? That's the amount. I that think. might be an undercount. That might be an undercount. Yeah, yeah I think it is. It's a little... Under, I rounded it, it up <laughs> or, or down, as it were. Um, there's a lot in this episode that makes me laugh. I mean, it just starts off great with um, old Gus. It's just such great casting. The notion of old Gus, and he's actually old and belligerent and kind of nasty, is 
super, super funny. And Andy, I love Andy laughing at the nasty old man tirade he goes on while he's being awarded. Yeah, it's always, I think that was a, a, a play on, I think, of the writers when we were talking about, yeah, you always do these speeches and, you know, these, these beloved figures, you, you're so reverential. And then what if... In that ceremony, the guy was just a huge dickhead and just tore everyone a new one. And then, yeah, cutting to Andy laughing like that's a, that's a very funny old cold open. I also love that the that a, that the worst thing in the world are libraries. Yes, it's it's just a funny, really, really funny concept, especially for Leslie Nope, who's so like learned and loves book. You know, she's you just know she was a pleasure to have in class. Yeah. Like, so the notion that she hates libraries is too funny to me. It was absolutely, you know, and, and I think one of the inspirations behind that, and, and, and it's such a strange sort of choice, but it, so I think, you know, Mike Sure, one of his favorite shows is Cheers. And Cheers had, uh, you know, this, this sort of running joke um, on that show of who their rival was. And they had a rival bar called Gary's Old Town Tavern. And so at one point, Mike was like, well, the parks department should have a rival department. Mm. And so it kind of it kind of manifested twice. It manifested first in the in the in the rivalry between the parks department and the library. And then later on, we did an even bigger version, which was between Pawnee and Eagleton. It was like, OK, there's yeah. so many. Ri- I mean, look, you're doing 125 episodes. You're going to do a lot of rivalries. So so that was kind of a secondary thing. And we, we, we brought the library back again and again. And, and it was kind of fun. So this is one of the, I think the earliest, maybe the first library episode. Because you see, like, you see Anne being like, what the fuck is going on uh, between uh, between parks and libraries? I, there's so many great Ron and Tammy moments, but my my favorite in this, and it, it happens in Ron and Tammy 2, which we'll get to when we get to, to that, which is, I love that episode as well. But that Ron can sense when she's <laughs> nearby. Yeah. Like he's an animal. She's he here. Can, he's like that smell Offerman her. voice. She's here. Like that, that which is here. unbelievable. Also, like you, when actors do that kind of <laughs> stuff, you can build off like their reads. Like that, that was something he kind of did and performed that way. And so in later episodes, we would do that again and again. And it's just like, oh, this is just a really funny thing. It made us laugh so much in the edit. And one of the great things about Megan is she's just, you know, Mike approached her to do this role. And 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 it's obviously a crazily villainous character. And she was like, yeah, I'll do it. Sounds great. Like, I'll do, yeah, do you want me to play someone completely terrible and awful and, you know, essentially a villain? And she was uh, she was she was really excited about the script and, and especially all the dialogue of Ron talking about Tammy. And it was like, yeah, I love all that stuff. I mean, how fun is it to see your husband? you know, describe you in this way. And, and so some of this stuff was improvised. Um, a lot of that on-screen fight thing. So that diner scene is kind of this epic scene. And one of the craziest parts was as they're fighting and kissing, uh, Offerman pulls the table out of the wall and that wasn't scripted. So that was just like, it, it just, it just happened. I mean, that's, that's the, that's the upside, by the way, of casting your real life wife is that uh, it's probably not cool to do that with a random stranger you just met. So I think they could go, they could go a little farther and that their, their improvs could go a little farther than it's like, yeah, I just met this woman. Her name is Jessica and I'm going to do this crazy shit with her. Um, in, in this case, yeah, you can probably push it a little bit farther. And, and they did. I mean, those scenes, those scenes are amazing. And Nick is a strong man. He's a bear. He's a bear. He's a fire agent, man. That guy's a thick he's dude. A bear. <laughs> he's a bear. He's an actual. I've punched bear. him in the. In, I've punched him in the chest before. He's a. He's a solid. He's made of oak. That guy. He truly is. Um, the thing about um, about Megan and and the thing about Nick is they're fearless as performers. Yeah. They don't give. Excuse me. A fuck. They just go for it. You know. And that's. It's, it's, I always say, when people ask what the key to, to comedy is, and I, I always say that the great ones have no, you know, governor 
on themselves in terms of how they're perceived and they just are willing to go for it. I mean, you look back to like Lucille Ball, who was a gorgeous, you know, ingenue, but her special sauce was she did not care that she looked like a fool. Yeah. And that's what made her beloved. Yeah. And it's that thing that all the great comedians and comedians have that. It's that thing I've heard you say before too, where it's like, you know, you can't have vanity, right? It's like, you can't have vanity. I think you talked about with Pratt when he was on, you know, it's like, yeah, you gotta be open to looking silly. It doesn't matter if you're a good looking guy, you know, an attractive woman, like, you know, you, you just throw vanity out the window and just go crazy. And, and, uh, um, you know, that was, by the way, besides the, the, the table getting pulled out of the wall, there's a scene later when they run into the motel room where Megan rips off her, her shirt, essentially. And that was improvised because we would never tell her to do that. You know, that wasn't in the script. This is a, this is a, uh, you know, a, a TV PG show on a NBC network television. And, she said, uh, I, you know, I, there's this quote that we, we dug up that she said later. She, she pulled off her top and she said, yeah, I didn't care. It was six in the morning. Who cares? I didn't know when I went on the crew. Like, I just, I'm just ripping my shirt off. And that's the thing you've got to think about when we're filming these scenes. Like, you look at the scene and it's, it's Nick and Megan going crazy. It's, it's Ron and Tammy, like, making out and all this stuff. It may very well be Monday morning at 6.23 a.m. Like, that's, like, that's when we're shooting a lot of this stuff to make use of daylight. Like, you're, you're literally shooting at 7 in the morning or whatever. There are certain moments where you go, yep, I'm really in show business. That would be one of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When you're, when you're like, you're like, you know, holding the boom on the crew, recording the sound, and it's 6 in the morning, and Megan Mullally is taking your shirt off. Yeah. And, and it's not in the script. And you're, you're like, like, that's yeah. comedy. That's comedy. Yeah, that's exactly. You're, you're just trying to keep the boom out of frame. <laughs> you're, literally, you're probably laughing, by the way, because we've we've been doing this, you know, I'm shooting a comedy right now. It's like, yeah, I've seen people laughing and trying to do their jobs because someone's improvising or doing something unexpected and you're supposed to hold the camera still or hold the microphone still. But I see them There's nothing struggling. Better. Yeah. So that's, it's the, that's the, the fun thing about comedy, right? That's the fun thing about comedy. Yeah, there's nothing better than seeing, you know, people who literally like take their eyes off of the, the viewfinder and the camera because they're laughing or whatever. It's you're like, yep, yeah. this is why we do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was it? Was it always um, going to be a thing to make that relationship hypersexualized? Because, you know, it's funny. Parks and Rec is probably the least sexual show ever. Yes. That ran as long as it did. I mean, it is. An extremely, I would argue, prude. Yes, show. it's sweet and gentle. It's sweet and gentle and family oriented. But yeah, it's it's like you know, if you look at like the Leslie and Ben relationship, like yeah, they're holding hands. It's like it's not. And but I think that's why this works, right? We were watching this episode uh, the other night, and my girlfriend was watching. She's like, "This episode is weird." Because <laughs> I, I think <laughs> I think she was not expecting to see this kind of stuff. But I think that's partly why it works, and that's partly it all adds to the lore of Ron Swanson. It's it's that thing where the exception proves the rule. And so, mm. yeah, for, for 99, or I would say 122 out of the 125 Parks episodes, you know, people don't even really kiss. And then in these three, uh, it's extremely uh, dirty in some ways, which is like, you know, I, I think one of the reasons the episode stands out. Is this the first time that um, that we realized that, that Ron wears Tiger Woods' red and black Sunday championship look yeah. when he's had sex? Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors, no prep, no mess meals. Now, Factors fresh 
never frozen meals are dietitian approved, which is awesome. And they're ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. So, so good. I love this stuff. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you will always have new flavors to explore to help you crush your wellness goals. And let me tell you what I crush. They have a smoky bacon and cheddar egg bite that is mm, 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 good. Mm. I tried their shakes also, and they were so good. Oh, I'm a Factor fan. Head to factormeals.com slash parksandrecs50 and use code parksandrecs50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code parksandrecs50 at factormeals.com slash parksandrecs50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. There's a lot of great work by Megan, but my favorite thing she does in this episode for sure is, and I love the little things with actors. I always, it, you know, one would hope any good actor can land a joke. So I'm not, it's to me, those, those should be the givens. I'm looking for the stuff that's like the freebies that are unexpected. And so for me, there's a shot of when we've discovered that she's trading sex for the library. That's the big reveal. There's a shot of her kind of smugly walking down the hallway and the look that she gives the camera just as she turns the corner is my favorite it's, thing she does. It's this, it, And it's like when you realize you're kind of in the hands of a master, right? It's like when they're doing things that are not necessarily scripted, but they feel real, they feel justified by the character, and, and yeah. they're just building on it. And then moving forward, you know you can build that character more and more. I mean, that's when you... I mean, obviously, look, like you said, she has 75 Emmys, so there's a reason she is who she is. But yeah, I mean, she just brought so much to the role. And, and again, the fact that she was so game was was a huge part of it. Um, there's also little little trivia nuggets. Um, when, she, when we go into her office, um, you see in the background, there are books that are listed as approved for the library. And these include books called Sperm Suicide, Woman War Three quote, take his balls and go home and quote, controlling the male mind. And that's like, I remember seeing those in, in the cut. And it was like, sometimes with the, with the props department, just the sort of behind the scenes stuff, there's so much shit going on when a show is shooting. Like there's so much stuff that has to get approved. And so some of that stuff, when you see props or signs or whatever, I would say like half is written by the writers or, or someone like the script coordinator or the writer's assistant and half like the props department might just come up with a bunch of stuff and sometimes you'll just approve it. So I, in this case, I believe I, I could be wrong, but I believe a lot of that stuff was actually written by the props department and then was just selected. Guys, Hey, I just wanted to pop in and talk about this for a sec. You know, before I became a writer on the show, we talked about, I was the writer's assistant and I was the script coordinator. And so at, in that job, um, I would hear from the art department or props or set deck you know, what we needed made for the episode. So usually they'd reach out to me when it was a piece of art called out specifically in script. 
Let's say, for example, we say there's going to be an article about the pit and they needed the copy written for it. Or we have a diagram of how to make a park like the one on the whiteboard in Kaboom. Um, you know, I'd speak with the writer of the episode and sometimes she or he would come up with it. But oftentimes uh, it was me or one of the other writer's assistants. Uh, and so in this case, I'm quite confident to say that this was props. Well, I have a bone to pick with the props department in this episode. In the shrine to Anne, I was like, who is that? Those are old photos of Rashida. Those are old photos of Rashida. That's another thing that, that is really funny. Like when you do a show, it, it's always cute in movies or shows when they, they ask for those old photos and the actor like sends them in. I'm sure, I'm sure you've done it in the past, oh, right? Ron? I have a file. Yeah. I, I literally have a file. That's interesting. Because every single show I do, movie, yeah. whatever, inevitably, particularly if it's a family thing, they'll, they'll probably, hey, do you have any old photos? Yes. My favorite is they always ask you as if they've invented the idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you have That's like my favorite. Do you have like high school photos you've used? Like what have you used in movies? I'm just curious. Like do you remember? Oh, in, in, in the in the Outsiders on the piano, there's a baby picture of me as a that they made into a plate. Wow. Wow, that's a good um, answer. I mean, that's like very specific. That, that's like That's the first one I remember. Yeah. And then but then you get into the thing of wait a minute, that's the same baby picture from the Outsiders, so it really shouldn't be in St. Elmo's Fire and it definitely shouldn't be in 911 Lone Star because they like <laughs> you, you only have photo. so many baby photos. Yeah, well, of you, course. And and we were talking about this like you know there's kids now have way more photos taken of them because people have phones with them. But you right. know when we were growing up, not to age us, but when we were growing up, people didn't have iPhones, so there's no, <laughs> no! iPhone photos of me as a six year old. You know, there's like a few grainy film photos, and that's it. That's all we got. No, I, it, it's, it always makes me laugh. And then, and then a lot of times they don't make it into the movie or the TV show, but it is fun to look back and, and, and try to find them. So people listening to this, just next time you're watching a family show, yeah. see if you see how many like, You'll see. oh, and, there's Paul Rudd and, and he's, he's got his, uh, he's skateboarding. Yeah. And it's whatever. like, it's like him growing up and wherever, Kansas city or whatever. Uh, but yeah, you, if you pause it, you'll see these photos of Anne and it's, you know, Rashida had to like dig up and send in old photos of herself. You're just lucky that it isn't like her with like Eddie Murphy or like someone super famous from the eighties. Cause that's, that was her, that was her childhood, right? You have to crop Lionel Richie out and pretend he's somebody else. The other thing people would do is super impose your head yes onto existing photos to make it for a prop and there are some really bad ones in the background of the west wing of like martin sheen's head superimposed on bill clinton's body and like bill clinton has those giant hands yeah. and then martin's head doesn't it's <laughs> really because there's you only have so much you can do with the lighting right so it's like bad yes. bad photoshops right it's it's, yeah. it's so funny um, yeah, yeah it, it, so, you know, getting back to the story, that it, it, there's also so many iconic lines in this from Ron to, to Tammy, and, 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 and just, I think the writers had fun with getting, again, to have a guy be out of character, right? And, and to get a little bit dirty, like, to get a bit dirtier than usual on the show, like, I, there's the line, what is it like to stare in the eye of Satan's butthole? I mean, that's not yes. generally in the show, that's not generally in the, t in the tone of the show, and, and, you know, the way he even just says Tammy for the first time, it's just, it's just, it's just unbelievable. It's just like, it's He's, just like it, acting toward a force. I like, he says, we have something twisted and beautiful. <laughs> we have something twisted and beautiful. And then he's like, he's like, when we spend time together, it's like doing peyote and sneezing slowly for five hours. <laughs> <laughs> and then, by the way, he concludes just by saying, 
that woman really knows her way around a penis. <laughs> By the yeah, way, I love our, all our Offerman impersonations. Yeah. Like our I know. I, could, I, yeah. I think we just need to keep doing Nick impersonation because he's so fun to do. The other thing is you never see Ron weak. Yes. Right? Yes. And so he literally says, she has all the power. I am nothing. Yeah. Uh, and he's... I'm so little. I'm so little. I'm so little. <laughs> I'm so little yeah, made, it, made me laugh yeah, out loud. He's, he's crying. I mean, like, you just, it, it's, it's, it, 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 whimpering. He's whimpering. Yes, he's whimpering. It's, it's like watching your dad cry, right? It's like watching your dad cry. <laughs> <laughs> he's everyone's dad, right? He's everyone's yes. dad. And, and again, and it's, it, and it's, again, it's compounded by the fact that it's this real life wife and, um, you know, and, and, you know, while we were breaking this episode, it was, it was tricky because with guest star episodes and, you know, you can probably talk about it. You've been a guest star. You've had guest stars on your shows. Yep. Yep. There's always a tricky balance of you want to feature them. You know, you want to make sure they're showcased. You have this great comedic talent. Megan's coming in and, and, and you also want to service your main characters, right? So we had to, it was a real struggle. I remember breaking this episode, breaking the story. You want it to be, uh, about Ron and Tammy, they're in the title, but you also need Leslie to be involved. And so that was kind of the balance and and how do you make that happen? I think, you know, the writers ended up doing a pretty good job, which is, you know, having the first scene be between Leslie and and, and Tammy and then ultimately the culmination, the, the, the sort of climax of the episode is Leslie mediating between the two of them, right? We, we, we just, uh, you know, she, she goes in there and she kind of defers to Ron and gives him the strength to do it. And it ultimately ends up being a friendship story between Leslie and Ron, which for my money, those are the best episodes of the show. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that Pawnee had such a seedy side of town. <laughs> yeah. When they go to yeah. the, what is that motel? The, the, that motel <laughs> is really seedy. Yeah. It's great. It's like, it's like all of a sudden, is this breaking bad? No, I know. Right. It's like, this it's is, a, and the name of it is great. It's the grand Capri hotel. Yeah, And that's when, you know, you're shooting, in the valley, in the San Fernando Valley. Yes. That's, that's, that's like a part of Pawnee that like, are we in like a Vim Vendors movie? It's like, is this Paris, yeah. Texas? Like, what's going on here? It this was is- very, there, that lo- it's funny that that location was like, bumped both of us because it was like, super real yeah it suddenly got because like so much of the show is like you know it's cartoony and fun and like upbeat and like wholesome as you said it's like a frank capra movie and then suddenly yeah it's like a pawnee's a frank capra and then all of a sudden it's like i didn't know pawnee had such a bad a big meth problem it's got it well then you you think about all the other locations i mean i don't know that yeah the glitter factory we got the bulge part of town we got yeah pawnee pawnee ends up being a massive city they have a lot of districts but yeah so um, Nick takes down at the end, uh, the, well, you know, he, he refers to the, the photo on his wall. He says, I'm a simple man. I like dark haired women and breakfast food. One of the great iconic, uh, Ron Swanson lines of all time. Yes. Right. Yes. Of and, all time. And that's one of the, I actually wanted to talk about that. Great. Like that stock photo is one of the funniest things in the show. It's a stock photo of a woman with breakfast, like just a, a, a brown haired <laughs> woman with like sunny side up eggs, Wait, which so is in the show for Google? years. Does somebody, so someone, somebody act, Google, and they probably did, dark-haired woman with Bre- breakfast That's food. That's right. That's right. And, and, and the reason, the genesis of That's all amazing. of this, Rob, the genesis of all of this, I'm not joking, I believe was a, like, just a legal clearance issue. And it's because in the pilot of the, of the entire series, he has a Bobby Knight photo there. And it's a photo, you know, Indiana basketball coach Bobby Knight, legendary, you know, wore the red sweater, et cetera. And I think, like, legally, for some reason, that didn't get cleared properly. So I think the legal department was like, you can't use that photo anymore. So we had to replace it. And it became, like you said, this sort of character-defining talking head from Ron, where he talks about 
two things he loves and became things that we kept going back to. Think about all the times he talks about bacon or meat in the show. It's like, it's kind of because the Bobby Knight photo wouldn't clear. And so we had to replace it with a stock photo. And it still makes me laugh every time I see it. And it also proves my thing about the young filmmakers, you know, out there is that when you're stymied doing something or something you think you want to have, it, it doesn't happen. A lot of times it's it's the universe giving you a gift. Yeah. So you you really want Bobby Knight. You're super bummed when you have to pull it out. But it leads to Nick Offerman's obsession with bacon. Yes, it's it's him. Where would you be without that? It's him saying, you know, give me all the bacon and eggs you have. It's him eating, you know, a breakfast buffet at a strip club. It's him, you know, it's it's everything. It's all of these moments that that are that are amazing from him. In Rocky, in one of my favorite movies, you know, the, the in the original script Rocky and 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 um uh, Adrian go on their first date finally and they go ice skating and they were meant to go in the script to Rockefeller Center and Rockefeller Center the big you know the, all the Christmas tree and the big statue all beautiful beautiful and then they can't afford it they can't get the location and all they can get is a literal closed down not even open to the public closed down hockey rink that's what's in the movie and it's an iconic iconic sad lonely lovely scene but only because they couldn't get what they thought they wanted. Right, which would have been a cheesier, sort of like more more traditional rom com moment. I mean, yep. look, limitations can can provide moments of creativity for you, you know? Limitations. For sure. And and there's 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 another classic Swanson talking head in this where he says, On my deathbed, my final wish is to have my ex-wives rush to my side so I can use my dying breath to tell them both to go to hell one last time. And then we cut and he says, Would I get married again? Oh, absolutely. If you don't believe in love, what's the point of living? <laughs> like which which is really like and that's a that's like that's perfect Mike Scully. That that's his his sort of we used to call them Scullyisms or Scully jokes, where it's like it's mm-hmm. such an economy, it's such a reversal, it's such a surprise. And so sometimes we would aspire to write, you know, jokes as succinctly and concisely as Mike Scully, who's one of the best joke writers I've ever I've ever met. So I think uniformly accepted as as probably the killer joke <laughs> just, writer. Just a machine. Yeah, b- between Scully and, and and Harris, it was like that. Those guys were just joke machines. <laughs> What's the deal with Andy's reality series bit in the show? Oh yeah, we got to talk about that. Fish. We got to. So I remember shooting this. Like I remember this 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 coming up. So yeah, he. I mean, again, a classic misdirect. It's almost like a like a '40s screwball comedy or something. It's like yeah, Andy's been uh, working on applying to reality shows like. Survivor and Deal or No Deal, and then you cut to him, and he's shirtless, like wearing a shirt around his head, and he's ripping the guts out of a fish. And he's like, "I'd be a perfect contestant for Deal or No Deal," and that—that's the joke, right? It's like it's, it's like a it's a it's <laughs> a mixed it's up a with... reversal. Um, yeah. But yeah, I wanted to talk about this Andy B story a little bit too, because um, a, a couple things. Uh, one of of which which I keep talking about in the show is is. Uh, the secret formula of the show is jobs, parties, and gifts. And and in this one, mm-hmm. he gets a new job. So he becomes uh, 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 the shoeshine guy at 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 the uh, at the city hall. And one of the reasons for that was like we just wanted to get him into the world. You know, we really loved Pratt, and 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 we wanted him around more. And it was like, well, if his job is in the fucking building, like that's going to help a lot. So he, we just put him in the building. But I also wanted to just go through because sometimes it makes me laugh how many how many jobs each of these characters has over the course of the show. So just a really quick rundown. So this is look, we know so just let's go through some of the jobs Andy Dwyer had over the course of the show. We have, of course, vocalist and guitarist of Mouse Rat, slash Scarecrow yes, Boat, slash nothing rhymes with the orange, nothing rhymes with orange, et cetera. 
shoe shine stand guy shoe shine stand guy this that's the job he gets in this one mm-hmm. assistant to leslie nope so he later becomes leslie's assistant right that's then assistant to leslie nope during her city council campaign slash security guard so he's also a security person then also weekend security guard at Pawnee city hall that he gets that job at some point then also assistant to the Sweetums Foundation's charity work when he becomes an assistant to Ben at the at the, at the charity uh, at the charity foundation for Sweetums. He's also the lead actor in a TV show, Johnny Karate's Super Awesome Musical Explosion show. So he also has that <laughs> job. So it's like the, he gets a new job every like 3 episodes. Like there's there's so many jobs and I think I'm I'm forgetting some as well. I think I think at one point he might be Ron's assistant. I mean like it just it it it's but that was one of the story moves we did, which is like you don't really even deal with it in the show. It's like it, in this case, like he's by the shoeshine stand. You had some, you had some interactions with him at the shoeshine stand. I remember, and like when you came into the show, and um, yep. so that was kind of fun, right? It, it allowed he, him to interact with other characters. I just read a, um, just this weekend, I read um, TV Line or one of those things. Did a, a poll of fake TV shows that we wish were real TV shows, and Johnny Karate's Super Explosion or whatever it is was, I think, number three. Yeah. Like people really want that show. What would that show? Just give me. You're a writer. You're a professional. Just give me. Just can you quickly beat out the pilot? We did an episode of of, of of that show, essentially, like over the course of parks. I think, by the way, speaking of his jobs, he would appear on his own show in character as other people. So I think in the Jotty Karate pilot, he should also appear as Burt Macklin, which I didn't mention. He should also mm. appear as Andy Andy Radical, the possum tamer. So he also should appear as that. <laughs> he should also appear as himself. And he should also appear as Mouse Rat. So he should appear. It, it would be it'll essentially be a clump situation, a nutty professor, Eddie Murphy in the clumps yes. situation where, <laughs> where Andy has to appear seven times and just do wardrobe changes off screen and come back in. So so I think it's it's that. That kind of episode for him. I want that badly. <laughs> this it's it's this big Brandanowitz B story. We got some big Brandanowitz going on. Yes. By the way, and, and and look, I know. Look, you got stipulated. You guys are genius writers. You're the best writers who were ever on <laughs> ever whoever created comedy. It's you guys. I got to tell you, there's never been more of a straw man story <laughs> in the history of television than who should and choose he don't stand a chance he don't stand a chance and there's also he goes to tom he goes to tom like the like he goes to tom for advice a guy who's essentially never got on a date but then tom actually gives him good advice he's like he's he tells him to take the high road and like be a nice guy and then of course there's a talking head where where tom was like oh yeah i always told people to take take the high road because i want more room on the low road (laughs) he just (laughs) mimes he mimes driving a truck on the low road or whatever but um yeah it is it is funny too because I think this was about the point in time where we real we I mean it was after we realized this but like everyone just loved Pratt so much on the show that there's literally a scene where like Andy is leaving and Donna's character Donna's like hmm I like Andy like he she likes Andy now so it's starting that run where like Donna is into Andy where she says hmm Andy like that that's really <laughs> like I don't know it just made me laugh when I saw because I forgot about that element of the show where like she's kind of into Andy which is like very funny so <laughs> yeah. There's also a little little nod to something which crosses the A and B stories over and the end of the A story where, you know, they say, you know, this is why you never get back to your, together with your ex. And obviously it's referring to Ron and Tammy in the A story. But the astute viewer will also realize maybe there's some connection to the B story where Anne is trying to decide, you know, between, in some ways, between uh, Bernanowitz and, and, and Pratt. And... You know, I think sometimes with these shows, when you have A stories, A stories, B stories, C stories, 
you like to do something called dovetailing, which, um, you know, it, it, we didn't do heavily, heavily, heavily in Parks and Rec, but you'll see it in a show like Seinfeld where every plot crosses over with every other plot. Like, think about that Seinfeld episode where it, the marine biologist where, uh, you know, uh, Costanza goes up and, and jumps into the on top of the whale and pulls out a, a golf ball from the, the whale's blowhole, which Kramer had been hitting <laughs> earlier. That's my example of dovetailing. But, you know, it's kind of a satisfying thing where, where, where uh, you know, the story's crossover. And so, you know, this was kind of more of a thematic dovetailing and, and we would sometimes talk about uh, that happening in the show. But on Parks, it was usually pretty light. You know, sometimes it would happen, but we weren't trying to do it every episode like they definitely do on like Curb or, or, or Seinfeld or shows like that. Well said. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. I think we should do a town hall, don't you think? Let's do a town hall, or as we call them when they're voicemails, uh, a town howl. Oh, hit it. Yes, um, this is John in Kentucky, and uh, I just wondered if you could expand on uh, the Lurpus family. I heard some rumors about Herman Lurpus being a failed chemist and wondered if you had some backstory on that. Thanks for bringing all this to us, man. We love it. It's like being there again. Peace. Now, now, I, now hold on a second. Now, now, wait a minute. So, John from Kentucky, thank you thank you for the, the town hall, first of all. Are we sure that he didn't act in the show as Herman Lurpus? Because are we sure that John from Kentucky is not the actor who played Herman Lurpus? Because that is kind of what Herman Lurpus sounded like. I mean, a great question. Also, what... What uh <laughs> I think that's him. I think that was Herman Yeah, Lopez. I mean it does, I don't I don't think there's anybody in Kentucky with it, that. It name. does sound like it, but wonderful voicemail. Really gave me maybe the biggest laugh of my day. Loved it. Also, he asked if 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 there was a rumor Herman Lippers was a chemist in the past. <laughs> I think he's a chemist. I, mean, I, I don't know where he's getting that information. I love that. I don't know if that's on the Parks and Rec Reddit or what, but uh so basically we get we we uh oh man so the Lurpus family <laughs> this is again it all comes back it all comes back to legal name clearance Rob like we, again we we go back to the lawyers so say you come up with the name Ron Swanson you then have to submit it to legal and they run it through a phalanx of lawyers and 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 they try to clear it and make sure that you can use it in the show but it's a mathematical formula the lawyers have come up with exactly so Mike 
very early on, he came up with the last, I believe he came up with the last name Lurpis, which is spelled L-E-R-P-I-S-S. And the good thing about the name Lurpis is I think it's a made up name that no one has. So at that point, you can do anything. And so it, it became so tempting to just keep using this last name because you know it's going to clear. And on top of that, it's a silly name. So I will very quickly go through all the people named Lurpus on the show. There's a Herman Lurpus. There's a Bjorn Lurpus, played by Mike Mitchell from Doughboys. There's Dennis Lurpus, played by Jason Schwartzman. There's Kurt Lurpus, played by Dave King, one of the writers. There's Lalissa Lurpus. There's Karen Lurpus Gretzky, hyphenated. There's <laughs> Jaquiz upon Gretzky Lurpus, all hyphenated. And there's Rachel Lurpus. So we there, so it basically became this family of people named Lurpus in the town. So when you watch these episodes, keep like keep an eye out uh, in the credits of of, of who is in the Lurpus family because in our in our minds our backstory our headcanon was there is just a family of people named Lurpus in Pawnee and that's why there's so many of them in the show and they're clearly Irish Catholic that's the backstory that's the backstory this is our time and Pawnee is up but there's more next week am I wrong about that or am I right there's more can't wait to come back next week and talk about another episode and of course thanks to producer Schulte and producer Greg and don't forget to subscribe like rate and review it really means a lot to us me and Rob personally do it for us thank you bye for Pawnee bye This episode of Parks and Recollection is produced by Greg Levine and me, Rob Schulte. Our coordinating producer is Lisa Byrne. The podcast is executive produced by Alan Yang for Alan Yang Productions, Rob Lowe for Low Profile, Jeff Ross, Adam Sachs, and Joanna Solitaroff at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson at Stitcher. Gina Batista, Paula Davis, and Britt Kahn are our talent bookers. The theme song is by Mouse Rat, a.k.a. Mark Rivers, with additional tracks composed by John Danik. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Parks and Recollection. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Stitcher. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. 